We've been talking about um, <laughs> avoiding a hardened heart in a hardcore world. We live in a hardcore world. We live in a world where there's a lot of pain, a lot of difficulty. Uh, just this very week, I don't know if you saw, but 104 people were arrested in Ohio uh, in, a, in a human trafficking ring. Um, yeah. Thank God. 104 people were arrested uh, uh, for being involved in a human trafficking ring in three counties in the state of Ohio this very week. Um, that's a hardcore world that we live in. We think of some of these things as happening on the other side of the world or in some other place where people are being enslaved. Uh, but right here, uh, right here in this, in this uh, place where we live, we have to continue to pray and seek God. A week ago, um, a pastor on the West Coast, young man, 30 years old. Uh, 30 is looking younger and younger all the time to me. Um, but uh, this young man, um, very seriously, this, this, this young man took his life and uh, left a, a family of, of children. You know, he, he, he just, and he had just done a funeral. He had just preached a funeral, and within hours of preaching the funeral, he took his own life. Um, a young man right here in our area, we need to lift up their family uh, just a few days ago, uh, leap, left off of uh, the uh, parking deck at Akron University and took his own life. Um, I'm not telling you these things to bring you down this morning. I'm not telling you these things to make you feel uh, devastated. I'm telling you these things because we do live in that type of world. And last week, uh, we were talking about the fact that God has called us to be overcomers. And the word overcomer in the Greek is the word nikeo. Nikeo, um, nikeo is, the, is the word we get the word Nike from. So Nike, if you're wearing Nikes, you're, you're wearing the emblem of an overcomer. So uh, nikeo meant one who prevails or one who wins against all odds or one who conquers against great resistance or opposition. Some of you uh, have faced some, some serious opposition this week. Let me see your hands. And now lift them real high. I mean, serious opposition. So look, look across the room. Now, before you put your hands down, look around the room. I want you to understand that you're not the only one. Hello? Sometimes the enemy isolates us, beats us up. We feel like we're the only one. How come nobody else is going through anything? How come nobody else has gone through these kinds of things? I want you to understand that our attack and our warfare is real. But our attack is, is so real that Jesus came to show us how to prevail. Jesus said, do not be afraid because I have overcome this world. He wasn't talking about the dirt. He wasn't talking about the earth. He was talking about the world, the cosmos system, its way of thinking. I want you to step into the overcoming life this morning. I want you to step into the place where, where you stand on the word of God no matter what comes at you. You stand on the word of God no matter what you face. The word of God is yes and amen. The word of God was before anything that was created. Before anything that you see was created, the Word. How do I know that? Because John 1 tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And when God spoke in Genesis chapter 1, He said, let there be light, and everything that exists came from a Word from God. And so one Word from God can change everything. One Word from somebody else can, can wipe you out sometimes. You know, somebody could have said something really nasty about you and you didn't know it. You've been hanging out with them and they're your best friend and you just love it. And then one day you find out that, you know, 
Three weeks ago, they said something bad about you. You've been having fun with them all this time, but now all of a sudden you just found out they said something bad. They had already said it three weeks ago, but hearing the word devastated you. I'm not saying that it isn't real, but what I'm saying is that the word of God was before any other word spoken over you. Any other word that's ever been spoken over you, any, any uh, denigrating word, any uh, curse that's been spoken, every word that God has spoken, he's already spoken before you ever existed. And he has destiny and purpose for you right now in this, in this world. Yes, we live in a hardcore world, but avoiding a hardened heart is opening your heart to the word of the Lord, no matter what you hear, no matter what you feel, no matter what you see. Now, this morning, I want to take this a step further, and I want to move from the word overcome to overtake. I want to, word, I want to move from the word overcome to overtake. The word overtake uh, is the word in the Greek, katalimbano. And, and, and this word um, is, is, a, is an interesting word. Dad used to love to preach on this. I remember him saying that word and me thinking, katalimbano, katalimbano. I don't know if it, it sounds kind of a tie, katalimbano. To come up with a course, pursuit, progress, or motion to catch up with. To come upon from behind, to discover, to surprise, to capture, to overcome. Um, it also means to perceive or to understand. And, and so we'll take a, a couple look at, at some scriptures that, that will help us to understand. That means to lay hold of so that you can make your own. To overtake means to lay hold of so you can make your own. Every word that was spoken in the Bible was spoken to somebody. But when you read it as a logos or you read it, logos is the word word in the Greek that, that means a, uh, an inspired word from God, but, but it's a written word. But a manifested inspired word is the word logos or the, Lord, the word rhema. And the word rhema is when God takes a logos and, and, and causes it to become something in your life. So you read the story of what happened to somebody else, but when the words on the page start jumping off the page and God begins to speak to you through the, through the written word, it becomes alive in your spirit. And so this word means to lay hold of so you can make your own. You got to lay hold on the word and put it in your heart and make it your own. Yes, he spoke to the church at Ephesus. Yes, he spoke to the church at Galatia. Yes, he spoke to all the churches through the epistles. But I take that word and I make it my own. For example, in Ephesians 1, he said, I, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father, from the Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. What was he saying? Paul was saying, I'm talking to the church at Ephesus, but I want to take it a little further and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. If you're faithful in Christ Jesus, you may not be in Ephesus, but you get what they got in Ephesus. In Ephesus, he said, blessed be the one who gives you all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. How do I get them? I lay hold on them and I make them my own. I lay hold. This is the word to overtake. Yes, we're going to overcome some things, but how do we do it? We overtake it by grabbing a hold of the word and putting it in our spirit. This is what Mary did when the, when the angel came to her. 
And when the angel came to her and said she was blessed and said that she was going to have a child, she received the word and she put it in her heart. She conceived it in her spirit and she held on to it until the time of delivery. I want you to hold on to your word this morning. Anybody had a word lately from God? I'm not just talking about a prophet coming in. I'm talking about you are reading the word and the Lord spoke to you through his written word. And you said, I agree with it. I lay hold on it and I make it my very own. Say, lay hold on the word and make it your own. Say, obtain it. Say, attain it. Say, grasp it. It means to seize upon, to take possession. It's a powerful word. It means to detect or to catch. I don't know if you've, if you've ever been at a time where you began to detect that God was up to something. Didn't feel like it, but you, you knew he was up to something. I want you to understand, I want you to detect with your spiritual detector, your sensor in the spirit. I want you to grab a hold of this. I'm going somewhere this morning. It's going to take a minute to get there. Kata, not keto. I've been on the keto. I don't like it anymore. <laughs> A steady diet of it makes me mad. <laughs> I want to look at a couple of passages of scripture. Let's look at Psalms 1837. Psalm 1837. I have pursued my enemies and overtaken them. Neither did I turn back again till they were destroyed. How funny is that? I pursued my enemies. Most of the time we're afraid because the enemy's coming after us. I hear people saying all the time, oh, the devil's been after me this week. Well, yes, he's been after you. What do you think would happen if you walked into the middle of Iraq or Iran into, into some highly uh, uh, charged area where they, where they maybe in, a, in, a, in an area where, where uh, ISIS is or, or where the Taliban is and you put up an American flag and started waving and saying, hi, I'm an American. What do you think would happen? I mean, they would not take too kindly to it, would they? You probably would lose your head. And here's the point. The point is that we lift up our banner in church and we say, I'm on the Lord's side. I'm on the Lord's side. What do you think the enemy's doing? Is he happy about it? No. But greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. There are more that before me than they that be against me. Come on now. And so we understand that the scripture tells us he pursued his enemy and overtook them. Let's look at Proverbs 13, 21. This is an interesting passage. Proverbs 13. Evil pursues sinners. But to the righteous, good shall be repaid. Now, there are moments in life where it doesn't feel like that's true. Anybody ever been there? Looks like, looks like the righteous uh, are not getting their due. But I want you to understand, evil pursues. This word pursue is the same word as overtakes. The enemy, the evil overtakes sinners. But to the righteous, good shall be repaid. In other words, if you go to Deuteronomy 28... The Bible tells us all the blessings. I don't have time to read that whole passage to you, but in Deuteronomy 28, he talks about all the blessings that will overtake you. Say the blessings are overtaking me. Now, if the blessings are overtaking you, what would happen? It means God would bless you in either time or in space. What do you mean? Well, you only have so much time that you're living in. So in the, in the lifespan that you're in, God's blessing is on your life. But he also wants to give you some things. And so he sows some things into you internally and externally. And so he gives some things to you. And so 
You know, you, you have houses, you have, you have cars, you have whatever you have. He blesses you. But I want you to understand something. The way that God overtakes you is that the blessing, the blessing is like chasing you. In fact, Darby, can you help me just a minute here? The blessing is, is chasing you down in your time and space. Stand right there, look that direction. And so, so his blessing is coming behind you. Blessing is over. But blessing is doing more than that. Blessing is going past you a thousand generations. What do you mean a thousand? Because the Bible says that the, the sins are upon the third and fourth generation. But, but God blesses to a thousand generations. What's happening? God is so fast. He's light. And he's overtaking you and running past you with your blessing so that by the time you get there, everything you need is already there. You say, I don't know if I believe that. Well, two years before Jesus was born, he started sending the Magi to bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Before he was even born, the, they were already en route to overtake him so that whatever his need was over here would already be taken care of, already beyond him. And not just beyond him, but the Bible says when, when Abraham tithed, God saw it as if Levi, his great-grandson, was already tithing. So that the blessing that was on Abraham, Abraham died and he couldn't receive all the blessings. So the blessings just kept rolling over and it overtook him. And God said, I'm so blessed at Abraham, I'm going to bless Isaac. And I'm so blessed at Isaac, I'm going to bless Jacob. And I'm so blessed at Jacob, I'm going to bless Levi. Whew, come on now. Blessings are called to overtake you. Thank you, Darby. Would you say it with me? Blessings are called, Blessings are called. to overtake me. The problem is when we get to where we need to be, we're not looking for him because we forgot he already overtook us and he's already taking the blessing ahead of us. Every time I'm in a situation where something negative happens, I'm looking for something positive out of it. Remember I told you a few weeks ago that uh, our plane was delayed and I got, I got stuck an extra day in Florida. It was just horrible. We had to make the best of it. We had to get bikes and ride down the beach and enjoy the beach for one extra whole day and eat at Bubba Gump's. Thank you, Jesus. Shrimp. You got to say it like that, shrimp. We had a whole extra day. And, and so I called him when I got home and I said, look, you know, I mean, y'all didn't offer me anything, not even a hotel or nothing, and it wasn't my fault. Y'all... Your computer said I was on another flight and I wasn't. Is there anything you'd like to do for me? And they said, well, uh, can you send us a receipt for the hotel? I said, no, because I got it free. I'm so blessed I already got it free. I told you a few weeks ago I was, I, I, I was going to be at a conference, but then I needed to be here to take care of something. And they pulled my name at the conference to give me a free trip to Israel. I'm so blessed I get blessed when I'm not even there. Are you catching what I'm saying? I wasn't even there. And so I got back and I called them and I said, what would you like to do for us? And they said, you know what? That wasn't right. Would you be okay if we give you $500? I said, Shondai. $500. I mean, the blessing was overtaken. I, I could have been irritated and frustrated and mad. Somebody said, well, did you just, you know, go crazy on them people? I said, no, I, I asked them, but I, I didn't go crazy on them because... 
Because I knew God was going to bring blessing out of it. And besides that, I got an extra day in Florida. But anyway, John chapter 1, verse 5. John chapter 1, verse 5. Can you bring that up for me? And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. This word comprehend is katalimbano. It's the same word as overtake. It's the same word as lay hold and make it your own. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness could not make it its own. It could not grab a hold of it. Say this with me. Darkness Darkness. has no substance. substance. See, see. Darkness is the absence of light. Darkness is the absence of something. So why does the world get crazy? Because light doesn't show up. Not because darkness invaded the light. Darkness cannot invade the light. It has no substance. Are you with me, church? It has no substance. It cannot invade your life. When you have the light of God's counsel in you, no matter what happens, you just got to get a word from God. Look at number six, verses two through eight. Number six, verses two through eight. Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when either a man or a woman consecrates an offering to the vow of a Nazarite to separate himself to the Lord, to take the vow, keep going. He shall separate himself from wine and similar drink. He shall drink neither vinegar made from wine nor vinegar made from similar drink. Neither shall he drink any grape juice nor any fresh grapes or raisins. Keep going. All the days of his separation, he shall eat nothing that is produced by the grapevine from seed to skin. Keep going. All the days of the vows of his separation, no razor shall come upon his head until the days are fulfilled for which he shall be separated himself to the Lord. He shall be holy. Then he shall let the locks of his hair of his head grow. Keep going. All the days that he separates himself to the Lord, he shall not go near a dead body. Keep going. And he shall not make himself unclean, even for his father, his mother, his brother, his sister, when they die, because his separation to God is on his head. Now, where are you going with this, Pastor? This seems like it's off topic. I want you to stay with me for just a moment. Because the enemy also wants to overtake you. He wants to overtake you in a hardcore world. And the way that he does it is he gets you to be filled with pride and arrogance. This young man, let's go to, uh, let's go to Judges 13, verses 2 through 7. Let me, let me read this quick to you. Now, there was a certain man from Zorah of the family of the Danites whose name was Manoah. His family, or his wife, was barren and had no children. Keep going. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed, now you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now, therefore, be careful not to drink wine nor similar drink nor eat anything unclean. Hold it right there. Go back for just a moment child isn't even born yet. And God is getting ready to give her a son and he wants the son to take a Nazarite vow. And before the child is even born, which has Nazarite vow, God says, I don't want you to ingest anything even prenatally because it's going to cause the child to break its vow. Woo. You think God doesn't, doesn't care about things even from the very beginning. The enemy, the enemy was trying to come against this child. Verse 5. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Keep going. So the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came to me, and his countenance was like the countenance of an angel of God. Very awesome. But I did not ask him where he was from, and he did not tell me his name. Keep going. 
And he said to me, Behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. Now drink no wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean, for the child should be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. I don't have time to read all this to you. Um, go to Judges 16.30. Then Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines, as he pushed with his might, and the temple fell on the lords and all the people who were in it, so that the dead he killed in his death were more than he killed in his life. Um, he, pushed, uh, he said, let me die with the Philistines. And this, this word in the Hebrew where he's talking about dying, he says, let me overtake my enemies. Let my life overtake the enemy. Now, where I want to go with this is that, is that the Hebrew people had this thing called a Nazarite vow. And there were three things that they were not to do. They were not to, they were not to drink, they were not to touch dead bodies, and they were not to um, cut their hair. And so uh, Samson begins to do all kinds of crazy stuff. He's a deliverer, and he's got this incredible strength. And the secret of his strength is connected to his vow to God. But he starts doing all kinds of crazy stuff. He, he's not to marry outside of his uh, outside of his family. He's not to be unequally yoked. He's not to get involved in, in some of these things, things that would be addictive, things that would, would harm him, things that would cause him to be destroyed. He's not to remove his covering. He's not to walk away from his spiritual covering. And, and in the household, he's, his family's speaking to him and, and he's missing his moment because of his pride and arrogance. Look, I'm strong. I can do whatever I want to do. It's not going to harm me. I want you to see the grace of God. For a very long time, God is still using Samson, even though he's, he's broken his vow on many levels, he finally uh, connects with a woman named Delilah. Delilah uh, begins to try to figure out the secret of his strength. The enemy will inevitably try to figure out the secret of your strength, the secret of your supernatural ability, the secret of your skill, the secret of what God's placed in you, the secret that God has for your life. The enemy is more afraid of your secret. He's trying to figure it out. What, what has God created you for? What is in you that God wants to release? What is about you? So I'm, you know, I'm older. I, I mean, there's not much left in my life. Wrong. God's blessing overtakes you for generation to generation. The blessing of God is upon you, not just for you, but for those around you and for those who will come after you. Don't get freaked out by people who don't understand you and understand what's going on. God has a secret in you. And so the secret is this. He sits down with Delilah. And the first thing she says, oh, if you love me, you'll tell me the secret of your strength. And he says, well, if you take the tendons of small animals and you tie me up, I will be like any other man. She called in the Philistines and, they, and, he, and he immediately rose up and he broke the tendons and he came forth. Now, now. A sane person would say, she don't like me. She's trying to destroy me. But because he's playing with the, the sin, the enemy's trying to use the same principle and overtake him. So then he goes back with her again. And while he's with her again, she says, what's the secret of your strength? And she cries and she tries to act like she loves him and he loves her. And he says, well, the secret of my strength is if, if you'll take new ropes and you'll tie me up, ropes that have never been used before. I won't, uh, it won't be a problem for me. See, all of these tying ups have to do with bondage. 
The enemy's trying to get us into a place of bondage, bondage in our thinking, bondage in our behavior, bondage in our lifestyle. And so the enemy's trying to, to bind us to lies, bind us to deception, bind us to depression, bind us to overwhelming situations, bind us to grief. This is part of why he said, I don't want you to touch dead bodies. In other words, I don't want you to touch that which produces death. I want you to come into life. Stop speaking death. Stop, stop connecting with death and step into life. And even before he was born, he said, Mama, I want you to do what needs to take place for baby to be all that I'm calling him to be. He was called to be a deliverer of Israel. And the enemy was trying to figure out the, the secret of his strength. And then she comes back to him and she says, well, what's the secret of your strength? He says, ah, if you, if you take my uh, hair and you plait it seven times, I'll be, a, I'll be the same as other men. Watch what he did. Little by little, he's, he's getting closer and closer. He's already been out drunk. He's already broken that vow. He's already uh, been with, with harlots. He's broken vows. He, he touched the carcass, the dead carcass of an animal that he came back by to get honey out of it because he was trying to, he was trying to get sweet out of something that had produced death. And he broke his vow. And so now, now he's at a stage where the last thing that will completely break his vow is the cutting of his hair removal of authority and the whole time his mom and dad have been saying don't do this don't do that son be careful son be careful and he just keeps stepping further and further and now he plays with this sin thing to the point where he gets to it and he says if you plait my hair he didn't tell her if you cut my hair off he just said if you plait it she, he jumps back up and he's strong again and the next time he meets with her the next time he meets with her, she, she cries and cries and says, you, you've not told me the secret of your strength. Now, why would you think you could trust her? Because he was deceived. Listen, deception can be very deceiving. He was deceived. He believed the lie. He lost his strength because he didn't hold on to what he believed in his heart and what God had called him to. And so this time, he says, if you shave my hair, I'll be as any other man. This time was different from every other time. He jumped up like it was the same as before. But the line had been drawn. The line had been drawn. Now, God wasn't through with Samson because we read the end of the story. And what happened was he took out more of the politicians and more of the leaders in one, one day than all the other, the other battles that he had been in. He had taken out men of war, but this time he took out all of their leadership in one day. And how did he do that? The Bible says that while he was in bondage, they, 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 sheared his, they, they seared his sight. The first thing that happens when you lose direction from God is you lose your vision. The enemy wants to hit you so hard, you believe the lie and you lose your vision. The second thing that happened was they put him in bondage. They put him in bondage. And then they made fun of him and they scorned him. He lost his covering. He lost his eyesight. 
He lost his vision and he lost his strength. If you're here today and you've lost your strength, the Bible says of Samson and his hair began to grow again. Turn to your neighbor and say, his hair began to grow again. God does not give up on his kids. He doesn't give up on his children. His hair began to grow again. And for those of you who say, God can never use you if you mess up, you're wrong. God's only got people who mess up to use. So when the enemy comes to overtake you, your God has the ability to overtake the overtaker. Stand up on your feet if you're able to this morning.